This podcast is brought to you by Stella Artois. When you're planning to enjoy everything Houston has to offer, especially all the great restaurants in our city, start with Estella. Whether you're going to eat with friends or solo, start with Estella. Stella Artois. Enjoy responsibly. Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's bi-weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. This is the interview show where I have a conversation with someone I think you'll want to learn more about. He is the founder and CEO of Bluestone Lane, an Australian-style coffee shop and cafe that now has four Houston-area locations. Nick Stone, welcome to the show. How are you? Great. Thanks, Eric. Lovely to be here. I'm glad that Hurricane Hillary has left Southern California, where I'm currently uh, calling in from. So good to connect. Yeah, thanks for doing this. I'm I'm excited to have you here. So tell me a little about your background. Tell me how you made the move from investment banker to cafe owner. Yeah, it's a bit uh, unorthodox, the transition. Uh, but I landed in hospitality at Bluestone Lane as, as founder and CEO, my first ever hospitality experience. So I've had three careers, so I'm definitely an outsider. But uh, across all three careers, first as a sportsman, second working in finance, and then third now as uh, an entrepreneur in the hospitality industry, they all have transferable skills that are linked heavily to teamwork, being part of a team. Hospitality really is all about execution of of the cultural values and the expectations around the service standards. So it's it's all in the people. And, um, you know, it's been a great journey since opening Bluestone 10 years ago. Uh, the first door really was opened out of self-necessity. I was working in midtown Manhattan, and I really, really missed the local coffee shops that I'd go to in Australia, particularly in Melbourne, where I'm from, where you'd walk in and uh, the proprietor of the team would know your name, face and order. They would make you feel like you're a local, not a customer. The coffee was always premium quality espresso, highly you know, curated, cared for, the intestinal elements, and then you'd have great food, food that wasn't primarily sort of processed or frozen that's heated up, food that's fresh, that's fresh ingredients that have re- and has real flavour to it. And and ultimately, that's what we tried to emulate with Bluestone Lane all those years ago. And since then, we've continued to grow the business through its through such amazing reception across all the markets we've entered. And now we're in Houston, which is a huge step for us. We've never, you know, the first time we've left the coast. And uh, yeah, I'm really proud of the four stores we've got open now and how they're performing. Yeah, so so take me back to, to 10 years ago in New York. Coffee shops have that reputation for being kind of grab and go, you know, maybe having very limited food options. Bluestone Lane is very different. It's a sit down experience. It's got a full menu of breakfast and lunch options. Kind of, how did how did you decide that, that like that that could be successful in in New York. Yeah, it's a great question. I think more than anything, I'd seen the precedent in Australia, and Australia had moved from a tea based drinking culture to coffee and really only espresso coffee in the forties. So, and if you look and if you compare that to the US, that that had a drip coffee culture and then moved to espresso sort of in the nineties. 
uh, through the commercial runaway success of Starbucks. So I just thought that that maybe Australia's a bit earlier in this evolution towards more artisanal coffee experiences, not just the product, but the total experience, the atmosphere in store, the service. So ultimately, I just saw this movement happening in other genres. It was happening in um, craft cocktails. It was happening in boutique fitness. It was happening in boutique um, wellness and beauticians. And people did have localised relationships where I lived in, in Manhattan. People would go to the same place, their same laundromat, they wash and fold because they didn't have uh, washers and dryers in their apartments. And there would be three in the street. There was three on the street I lived in, but everyone would have their own sort of place they'd go to because they had built that trust. They had that localised relationship. And I just thought that there's going to be more people like me when they go into a coffee shop or a cafe, they want more than just a product. And I think Starbucks and Dunkin', which have 70% of all coffee shops in America, have done obviously an extraordinary job, but they're primarily anchored around solving a need for caffeine, getting someone a product to, to get out the door really quickly. And I just felt that the, the cafes in Australia are this amazing medium to facilitate connection between people to bring people together it's an affordable we talk about it being an affordable luxury experience you can come in and pay five ten dollars for you know a, a cafe experience or a coffee shop experience and spend 45 minutes chatting with someone catching up and you know ultimately i just saw all these trends and i was really confident that there'd be some people like me to support the first location and Sure enough, when we opened it, it was fortunate it was around the corner from where I was working. And I knew a lot of I had a lot of friends that lived there too. So they supported it in droves. So when we opened, uh, I think we we served 400 people on the opening day and it just sort of kept rolling from there. So so tell me a little bit about growing it. I mean, because you're up to what, like 50, 60 locations in several states now. Yeah, well, I think we had sort of pretty steady trajectory um, of growth following sort of the first two years where we got it to four stores and then in the preceding sort of five years we opened you know 50 plus locations when we got to prior to you know the start of 2020 we had 51 plus a couple of licensed stores when we had 54 in total uh but covid was extremely challenging for bluestone lane given our footprint we really had a precarious footprint with an over exposure to inner urban areas particularly office buildings and uh, what we learned from covid was inner urban high density population regions weren't great you wanted to be in the suburbs you wanted to be in more residential areas and we were also uh exposed only to sort of the northeast and and california so the rules there about your ability to operate um, were very challenging and there was a lot of restrictions on not only indoor dining but outdoors. So that made it really tough. But, you know, we went from 51 down to 14 um, in a matter of 48 hours. Um, we had to undertake some some changes and decisions that that weren't, weren't light and they were heavy and they were challenging, uh, but they were crucial to ensure that we sustained and we could navigate this, ex, you know, existential risk so that we can come through and start growing again and employing people so we did that successfully and uh we started to see some real sort of what i'd call sort of bright bright flickers um of opportunity particularly in these more suburban areas we had not focused there at all 
And then suddenly um, we could see the change in the way people were working, where they were living. So we reorientated the real estate and started to get on the front foot. So we've been in growth mode now for a couple of years, and that included the expansion to Texas. And when we were evaluating Texas, Houston consistently sort of came out as the number one market for us to enter. And, you know, the critical point was to, was to be able to get a number of stores that we could open in the first 18 months. No one wants to have an orphan location, which needs so much resourcing, but, you know, it's just one. We need to enter a market and get to four, five, six, a critical mass of locations where we can grow the brand, but also uh, amortise the investment, the overhead that you need to put in a region. So uh, really pleased that we entered in Houston. Uh, it's obviously just a massive metropolis, but uh, there's so many different trade areas and pockets for us to focus on. So that's, um, yeah, that's what we've been up to. But yeah, there's sort of like, if you look at it, three phases, there's pre-COVID and just uh, developing the business, scaling, entering new markets. There's COVID, which was really survival, and then um, pivoting and reorientating and changing the business model. And then third has been acceleration into these suburban markets, which is where we're focused uh, very much at the moment. I wouldn't say deep suburban, but just sort of more of the commuter towns where people, instead of maybe going into the city five days a week, they're only going in three um, so now they're at, they're working from home four days and we want to be that local cafe near where they live and those stores continue to perform really well. Well, yeah, so so tell me when you, you identified Houston, I mean, how much did you, what was your kind of assessment of the existing sort of coffee shop, cafe culture here? I was really encouraged by just the quality of culinary and the sophistication of particularly you know, nighttime restaurants huge uh, volumes, but just really interesting cuisines, uh, eclectic cuisines. So um, I thought, you know, this is a foodie town and a lot of chef-driven establishments. So that, that's sort of number one, that that Houstonians are really interested in hospitality and in food. Secondly, when I started to look at the sort of the coffee and cafe landscape, again, I was really encouraged because there was a number of existing incumbents that were doing a great job. I just think that there needed to be more and they need, and no one was doing exactly what we were, but there were some really interesting, um, great coffee shops uh, and there was a few brands that had scaled, you know, Common Bond was one where I went to a few of their locations and thought, yeah, you know, they're doing a really, really good job, more bakery-led. Um, and, you know, when we ended up deciding to focus on the trade areas we're in right now, which is you know, sort of Westview, Rice Village, um, the Heights area, the Woodlands, and also in around Post Oak Plaza, we saw that there there is normally a, a local coffee shop that is doing a really good job, but there's just opportunity for more. And there's an opportunity for a more comprehensive sort of breakfast and lunch offering, which has table service and a more expanded menu. So, you know, we were we were very much encouraged by all of those facets and the growth rate of the city, but we could open, we could see a clear runway to opening three or four stores in the first two years, where that wasn't really that obvious to us in Austin. Um, Dallas, we, we could see that there's a number of trade areas, but we just didn't, the real estate was really tight there and we didn't didn't have a lot of great opportunities we were evaluating. So um, Houston jumped straight to number one and, and we're really pleased that that was the decision we made. 
I mean, I know you just opened that Woodlands location. Tell, tell me a little bit about that, about that store and, and how that opening is going for you. Well, we were always desperate to get in the Woodlands because I personally had a number of friends who lived there, but I, I just, the way of life up there seemed really compatible to what we're trying to do at Bluestone. Uh, and it's, it's been, it was tough to find the right space. We had to, um, we had to hunt and scare and see what came up. And then there was one opportunity uh, where we've we've opened now. It was previously owned by um, Howard Hughes and they introduced it to us. And, um, you know, we are, we're really, really thankful that we we capitalised on it. It took a, took a while to get the feasibility because the, you know, construction costs were kind of out of control last year and in 2021. So, it's a big space for us. We just had to navigate that, and we were effectively merging two uh, retail spaces into one. Uh, but you know, since it's open, I think it opened probably five weeks ago. It's been really well received. I think in the first forty-one reviews we got on Google, um, the average is four point nine. So it's going pretty well. I think the first twenty-seven reviews were five stars. So it's always a good sign that. Uh, locals are coming in and enjoying the experience and feeling like they want to advocate uh, for the team and for the general manager. So I think that's really, really heartening. I visited uh, in the first week it opened. I was there for a few days. We had a, a small gathering. And, uh, you know, I just think it's it, it adds something different to the woodlands. And, you know, it's got a great balance between the ability to come in and grab a quick coffee on the way to work if you're driving into the city or you're, you're dropping the kids off at school or you're you're going to the gym or a meeting or what have you. But it's also got the size where you can have a great catch-up with friends. It can host if a, a group of 10, 12 people, but it's, you know, perfect for for catching up with a friend or a couple of friends, a couple. So, you know, I, I was really encouraged by the revenue balance between Monday through Friday and then the weekend, often a lot of our locations have just these stacked weekends where 60, 65% of the revenue is generated um, in, during that part of the week. The Woodlands is a lot more balanced. So we're having strong weekends, but Monday through Friday is robust too. And I just think it's because you've got such a large sort of captive audience over there. You have a lot of families and Bluestone works really, really well. Uh, for families, it works well for for young mums, and it works really well for um, larger families that want to come in. And breakfast is is more affordable typically. And uh, you know, I, it, I think we've got a menu that works from a kids' menu through to through to sort of coffee, smoothies, um, great toasts, burritos, salads. Uh, and some, you know, some different things like baked eggs or which are a bit like shishuka. And uh, yeah, even breakfast, we have breakfast salads, breakfast bowls, which are a little bit unusual. So it's been well received. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, I, I sort of yada yada it, but it is a full like sit down experience. I think that's what, that's what struck me the first time I went to a Bluestone Lane because I'd, I'd had, I'd had coffee shop in my head the whole time, but it is a full service restaurant and, and it's, and it's very technology friendly. I mean, I, I really like that you can, you know, use your phone and order from the table and uh, expedite that aspect of the experience. I think that that makes it particularly family friendly, right? Not everybody wants to to wait for a server to take their order. Exactly. I know that very well myself. I have three kids under five, and uh, I use the Bluestone Lane app. Open the app. Uh, you can scan the QR code or enter the table number, and then I order straight away. So as soon as I sit down, 
Um, I can put my order in within five minutes. And when you've got kids, that's what you need. You need to get the order in really fast and you need something to to bridge them so that, you, you know, mum and dad can enjoy uh, a, a breakfast experience. So, you know, I use the app to order coffee, you know, every day. I pick it up on the way to going into LA or in the office or if I'm in New York um, on the way to meet colleagues I'll just order ahead, walk in, grab it. Um, but I can also use the cafe to dine in and catch up with a friend. So I think that flexibility where it works for it works for those who are used to coffee shops, but it also is a larger space with with I think a higher quality of service to enable you to catch up and have a more dining in experience. So that flexibility and the technology enables all of that, which is really wonderful. So um, it also offers delivery. So if you're at home or in the office and you want coffees delivered and or full catering menu for breakfast or lunch, um, you can order it directly off the app. It all goes into one uh, loyalty program. So you're accumulating loyalty no matter um, how you're ordering and, and how you're consuming. Yeah, and, and how do you suggest people kind of navigate the menu? I mean, obviously, you know, smashed avocado toast and a flat white is probably as good a place to <laughs> to start as any, but but what are what are some of your favorites on the menu? Well, I think that's a great question. So a lot of people ask me, like, what's what's my favorite coffee beverage? And I've, I've, I've sort of got two. My first one is an oat milk piccolo, which is actually a single shot, a single ristretto shot. It's cut early and uh, made with oat milk. Um, it's delicious. And because it's a single shot, I find that I can drink a few of them in the morning and, and not get too excited with, with coffee. So I'll have, I can probably have two or three of those easily in the first 45 minutes. Um, Outside of that, I love Magic, which is basically a shorter flat white. It's made very in a very similar way to a flat white, uh, but it has a, a stronger coffee to milk ratio. So uh, a Magic is typically, we make them, they're six ounces, so two ounces of coffee, four ounces of textured milk like a flat white. Uh, that's a very iconic sort of Melbourne uh, coffee beverage. It's a little bit like a Gibraltar or a Cortado, um, but, yeah, I, they're my two coffee orders. And then on the food side, you know, uh, the avocado smash, I guess we've, we've played a huge role in, in, uh, in the fact that it's ubiquitous now across a lot of cities and a lot of, a lot of places. But when we launched it in July 2013, no one was serving avocado smash. It just it wasn't popular. It wasn't regularly found. Um, so we had a big role in that, I think, in New York and then, and then you know, sort of caught fire everywhere. But you can't sort of go wrong with Avo Smash, two poached eggs, maybe some halloumi uh, on the side, which is, which is a, a European-style sort of Greek cheese, which, we, um, which we, we toast up or cook up on either side, pan fry, which is absolutely uh, delicious. Uh, I think you can't go wrong with our burrito or our athlete's burrito. I love the brekkie bowl. Um, that's pretty. That's pretty clean and an easy way to start the morning. And then something I always encourage people to try is maybe our brekkie board, which is half serve of uh, gluten free granola with Greek yogurt and lemon curd with some blueberries on top. And then a, it's a half serve of avocado smash, which you can throw a poached egg on, or you could have smoked salmon on it, or, or bacon. And, yeah, it's a really nice way to try two different things that comes out on one board. And, uh, you know, rather than ordering two whole dishes, um, you, get, you get to try two things. So we love that. And um, that's, that, all of those dishes have been super popular, as well as uh, the warm chicken and grains bowl, um, the chicken wrap, 
yeah, they're, they're really popular for lunch. So lots of options there. And, you know, the big thing I also grab is uh, I think our smoothies are terrific. And sometimes you just feel like a coffee and smoothie for breakfast or for morning tea, and it could be an easy way, an accessible way to grab something and head off and uh, not be too sort of full. And they're both, you know, good for you. I mean, like you said, you have you you opened four locations in Houston very quickly. I mean, you've identified that we have a lot of different neighborhoods and trade areas. So, how how many Bluestone Lanes do you think Houston can sustain? <laughs> it's a very interesting question. I think there's probably capacity for at least eight to ten Bluestones. I would have thought if if I look at the success of Snooze and if I look at the success of First Watch, you know, I think we have some elements that are, that are common there. Uh, I think we have a much more stronger focus on coffee and um, espresso coffee. We're, you know, a world-class coffee roaster and we've probably one of the, we're probably the most awarded in the, in North America as it relates to golden bean roasting, coffee roasting awards. So, you know, for us, like that, that's a, that's our DNA. Like our anchor is coffee and it will always remain so. But I think First Watch probably has 20 locations in Houston, Houston and the greater Houston area. So, you know, it shows that there's lots of capacity and and I don't, Snooze must have about 10. So I'm thinking that we could comfortably double from where we're at over the next couple of years and continue to expand. And, yeah, I'm, I'm very encouraged by the start. So I think we've just got to keep – keep executing really well and that'll give us the license to open more locations but right now we've got to make sure that all of them are firing and doing a really good job and and you know it'll take care of itself yeah no i i i snooze snooze makes sense to me like anywhere there's a snooze there could probably be a bluestone lane that there some over some some definite overlap there yeah i think so um but you know but still very different businesses and different decors different focus uh, but you know, I think you know we 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 admire what they've been able to achieve. The same the same with First Watch. So yeah, we'll see how it all uh, translates, and yeah, we're excited about the future. Yeah, no, I I just think it's so interesting to build a, a breakfast business because people, I I just think they're so loyal to like if they if they go out for breakfast at all, like they're they're very loyal to their whatever their current option is. So so getting them to getting them to switch is tricky, but if you can keep them, then they're they're yours for a long time. That's exactly right. A coffee uh, is really about retention. It's not about customer acquisition uh, because most people go out and drink coffee a couple of days a week. Some do it every day. It's just part of their daily ritual. And that's why we talk about being a lifestyle brand. When you come into a Bluestone and we know your name, face and order and you have a great coffee, it becomes part of your life and an important part of your life. Um, so, and which is very different from, say, ordering pizza or a burger or what have you. Um, so, yeah, we're very encouraged. We like being in the coffee category. And then I, I agree, breakfast, I think. Breakfast just needs to be get those elements of, of having a great experience, but it needs to be fast. You can't compromise speed. People don't want to be late um, and they don't really want to have breakfast for two hours. It's sort of 30 minutes, 45 for a great breakfast brunch. And then lunch, you know, lunch, you, you, you often have a bit more flexibility with time. It's not as sensitive. But, uh, you know, we're, we're really excited and we're really grateful for the way that the communities in Houston have accepted us and given us a chance. And we're looking just forward to continue to grow and we're excited about the team we're building down there, all local team. They're doing a great job. So it should be exciting for years and hopefully we can open a few more locations. Yeah. Well, I, 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 
I don't want to keep you for too long, but I, I did want to shift gears on you just a little bit. I was watching Gordon Ramsay food stars and I saw you were a guest judge on one of the episodes. So tell, just tell me a little bit about your, your brush with reality TV. What was it like yeah. working with Gordon? Oh, that was a great experience. So yeah, I got the, got the call and I had to be in Seattle very quickly to be the guest judge. And so I flew there and, uh, and arrived there late at night. The next morning I had to be on set and meet Gordon and it was fantastic. You know, who, what an amazing honor for for the brand and acknowledgement of the success and all all that hard effort uh, building it and then navigating COVID and then coming out the other side. So Gordon was fantastic, uh, really down to earth, uh, fun guy. Um, obviously, he's an entertainer, so I think that uh, he knows how to 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 make people feel like this, this must this is a must watch and he's very engaging. So. Yeah, I enjoyed the whole experience. Hopefully, I can do some more of it in the future. But uh, very elaborate setup, and uh, yeah, none of the none of the teams that competed in that show knew I was the guest judge. But you know, maybe the Australian accent gave it away a little bit at the end. But uh, it was a great experience and great exposure for all of us. And yeah, it was terrific. Well, he was like a pretty serious soccer player at one point, right? And you you played Australian rules football. So did you did you bond as kind of athletes? I think he was a rugby player. I th- oh, excuse a- me. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. yeah, no, we didn't talk about it too much, but um, we do have a mutual friend uh, who I played professionally with who was actually the captain of the team, and he went on MasterChef in Australia and ended up winning Celebrity MasterChef. And Gordon's daughter was a, um, was a fellow participant uh, in, in that program, so we ended up talking a fair bit about um life in melbourne and footy and and our mutual friends so yeah that was that was great he loves australia he spent he spent a lot of time there uh, and he visits every year so um it was really great and hopefully we can do a little bit more of that yeah i, I guess in between when we had scheduled this interview and when we're talking now i i saw i was like oh good i get to i get to ask nick about about gordon ramsay yeah a lot of my friends were upset that he didn't sort of disparage me or <laughs> or do something that they really wanted him to take the Mickey out of me, but uh, Gordon was too kind and he treated me like a judge. When I'm sure he could have said, "Oh, you know, I had a coffee at your place." He he visits a number of our locations in LA because that's where he spends most of his time, and he he could have easily opened up, "Oh, my coffee wasn't great this day," or you know, someone hadn't cleaned the bathroom properly. I, um, but he he was a gentleman. He said that he loves Bluestone and. And uh, he wanted me to come on the program. So really thrilled and, uh, yeah, what a privilege. Yeah. Well, Nick, I got to say that brings me to the end of my questions. Is there something I haven't asked you about that you would like to discuss? No, the only thing would be I think I would encourage some of these uh, listeners uh, to perhaps ask for the secret menu item. And I think they might be encouraged to to see what it is but they'd have to go on a location and and see what and see what it is because there's always secret menu items floating around and uh yeah maybe if they go down that's a little bit of an unlock all right are they different from location location like is the secret menu item in the heights different than the one in rice village no not really um we we normally run it the same and then we'll change you know sort of quarterly in the year but uh yeah something to something to ask about all right. Well, before I let you go, we have to play the lightning round. 
Okay. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Nick Stone, what is your favorite ingredient? Avocado. What is the first band you ever saw in concert? Well, first band, what was it? I think it was New Kids on the Block, actually. <laughs> <laughs> what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive through Right. What is uh what is a Houston restaurant that you've been to and really liked? Uh Blue Dawn. It's a good one. And then finally, when you're ordering a pizza, what are your go-to toppings? Oh, cheese and prosciutto. Nick, give us the, the website and the social media for Bluestone Lane. www.bluestonelane.com and social handle is Bluestone Lane. Awesome. Nick, this was great. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank you, Eric. Have a great day. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.